Welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Weber, and I'm joined by Andy Gramuga, Emilio Diaz. And today we're going to be talking about some recent release slash re-releases from Olivier Assayas, uh, Wasp Network, which was released on Netflix last year after its festival run the year before, and Demon Lover, which is currently playing in virtual cinemas in a new restoration from Janus Films after playing the Cannes Film Festival in 2002. To do that, we are joined by comedian and David Strathairn historian Josh Murray. Hey gang! How is everybody? Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And uh, by the way, I think you all know this about me, but I watch like way too many movies. Like, and if you ever need someone to over prepare and like watch a lot in a very fast time, keep me in mind because okay. I also watch right. pretty much everything by SIS that I could find. <laughs> oh, wow. And I also watched B Movie. I, I just, okay. I, uh, Anything that I could get to have like a tangential connection. I watched a Colombian short film called Kick the Can. So uh, I just wanted to make sure. I know you guys love to slime nerds or whatever. Like under, I'll find underprepared people and slime them. So I just wanted to cover all the bases. Yes, that's definitely our vibe here is uh, do the homework. Yeah. That's our that's our motto here at Can I Kick It? Or the nerds get slimed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Only cool people here. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, great. Um, so, we are going to start with Wasp Network, um, which, uh, as Jesse mentioned, had a festival run uh, two years ago at this point. Yep. Yes. What years? What is time? We should um, say it had an interesting festival run yes. because it premiered at Venice. People were like, eh, it's not yes. that good. It then right. played at TIFF, where we people saw continued it. continued to say it wasn't Most that people good. continued to say it's not that good. We'll talk about it more. I think those of us who saw it at TIFF actually pretty, largely enjoyed it at TIFF. Uh, but then, after, maybe even during TIFF, Aseas says, okay, I'm going to re-edit it. It's going to re-premiere at New York Film Festival and then it plays at New York Film Festival, and people are still like, eh, it's not that good. Yes. Uh, and then it premieres on Netflix, uh, like, to, eight yeah, months to, later, and no one watches it. Right, to no fanfare or anything. Yeah, um, there's not even a backlash on, on the Netflix drop. Mm-hmm. There, There's just no reaction. Yeah. 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 Right. And, I mean, it's crazy, because, it's like, it's got, like a lot of hot stars in it, it like looking real good like mm-hmm. it's like it seems like it would be an easy sell for the netflix like meme generator of just like them being like look at how hot these people are or whatever sure. like 
Um, it's at, at the very least to get some conversation on that front, but uh, no, nothing. It's got Gael Garcia Bernal in a role that does not need to be a hot person. So it's got like hot people to spare. <laughs> That's true, right? Yes, yes. them tr- shaving his hairline back in a desperate attempt to not make him as hot as he normally. This is what is. normal people look like. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it has Anadarmus until it doesn't. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a very interesting film structurally. I rewatched it yes. today, and I was trying to find some like four act argument for it. Of, like, mm-hmm. her getting introduced around a quarter of the way in and Gael getting introduced mm-hmm. around halfway through. And then right. when characters start dropping out. But it, it's very hard to parse. It's so yeah. tricky to figure out what what the thought was. Because, like, it also, like, it starts with, like, title cards, like, setting you up. And then, like, halfway through it begins having narration. Uh, and then, like, yes. there's some of that towards the... Like, it's, like, all the, like, structural tricks and whatever are, are, like, it's, like, they come and go and, like, are whatever he pleases. It really does um, have the feel of something, I guess, that was, like, edited down from something much bigger. Well, so that's what I wanted to confirm yeah. not having seen the new version is... So it is still structurally uh, bizarre. Yes. So that didn't change. Right. That, that was the thing. Is like, seeing it, like, at Toronto, like, I was, like, when the, uh, halfway through the three years earlier title card dropped, I was like, oh, what are we doing here? Like, what's going on? The movie's just getting started? Like, what's going on? And uh, I thought for sure that he was gonna, like, make it more chronological or something in a re-edit, but that did not happen at all. And you can uh, see how perhaps that would be impossible. But yeah, if there definitely was the thought of, like, can he do it? But no, he couldn't. I mean, it's also, like, I don't know when you guys watch it, because I was the first one of us to watch it at TIFF, and I was the first yes. one to be like, I don't know, maybe this movie's good. There's, like, some juice to it. And then... Yeah. But I remember, like, his initial opening to it, because obviously at the film festival, the people behind the movie, they, like, introduce it or whatever. So Asayas was there, and he monologues for a long time, as Asayas is known to do as somebody who's seen two Asayas movies at TIFF. And he just, like, went on this long thing about, like, he's, like, this weird rambling thing about how hard the movie was to make. And he ended it with, like, you know, filmmakers, they will often come up here and be, like, well, I hope you had as much fun watching it as we did making it. Well, I hope you had a lot more f- ha- a lot more fun watching it than we did making it because it was a disaster. <laughs> and like being very upfront with that, which is like a weird move by him, like set- setting sure. the expectations very low. Fascinating. Yeah, that is very. Yeah, I mean, I want to say that Pedro Pascal was gonna be in it, yeah. and I don't know if he got. Did he get replaced by anyone? Yes. And I am blanking on that guy's name. I think he meets with Wagner Moura pretty early in the film. Um, And it's not a huge role. Yeah. So I wonder if that role was going to be larger and if making it smaller was part of what was hard about making the film. Because it seems like... Yeah, I think he he was gonna be in it. Yeah, I think he was also until pretty close to when it started shooting. He also was also vaguely alluding to the fact that like I, it was shot in Cuba, I think partly, and I think he mm-hmm. vaguely alluded to that being a, a big pain in the ass and other things right. around that being a big pain in the ass. So I think it was just like a weird shoot all around. 
for that movie. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because the new cut, it's confusing and doesn't follow the track that you would expect for a movie, but right. it is possibly still some kind of improvement. It's not like the movie goes back to like old business or just like forgets about something for a while. Right. It, it very clearly moves from one to the other in almost a uh almost like Tarantino kind of chapters except it is pretty chronological. It it's it right. just feels like there could be title cards breaking up some of it and I could imagine ways that it was way busier before because uh like you were saying the honor to armas part it, it essentially ends and this is sort of I should I should add that I love this movie, which I assume is part of why you all got me here. Yes, <laughs> but uh, one of Ana de Armas's last scenes is this intense makeout scene, and it practically feels like Miami Vice. And I'm like, okay, so maybe I'm enjoying this as like a vibe movie, as a I I almost like what I can't follow. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like. Even when I first watched it, I think my take was sort of around that. It wasn't, like, that far, but it was, like, listen, do I think it, like, completely structurally makes sense? Not really. But, like, everybody in it is very hot, and I think they're delivering what they're supposed to deliver deliver very good. I think it's, like, in a micro sense, executed very well, which, like, keeps me engaged. Yeah, well, every movie has problems, and a great movie is a movie that makes its problems not matter to you, essentially, by uh, selling you on its other stuff. Yeah, I mean, my thought was mainly, like, if this had, instead of, like, being a big festival premiere Asayas movie, if, like, some random studio guy had directed this exact movie and then it just, like, went to multiplexes, we'd be like, ooh, this is a little bit of a mess, but wow, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, it would be exciting. That's that's the weird thing. And then that's the weird feedback loop you get, which is... I know is what happens with like a movie like Dark Waters or uh, like the two popes, whether it's like a once great director, people will just be like, well, I've decided that this is actually a minor work by them before it's coming out. And that's just going to skew everything because we don't have adult movies anymore. And Asayas is a former movie critic. And I, I sort of see this as him trying to do like Ronin or like some like fun nineties crime movie, the kind of thing that there isn't a space for anymore. Yep. But when it's dismissed out of hand, and then when people go knowing that dismissal on some level, but also expecting an SIS movie on some other level, they're just inevitably dis- disappointed. And it just like, mm-hmm. it, you know, almost wish that he could do this like anonymously and uh, have it like Great. be claimed as, as some pleasant surprise. Yeah. Uh- Dark Waters, of course, is interesting because it has the exact opposite problem where it's like, oh, this is like, everyone was like, ah, this is Todd Haynes's studio hack work movie. Yeah. Which it's not at all. <laughs> and this one, I, I, I keep encountering a lot of disagreement on that level of people being like, oh, this is him just having fun. And then it's like, no, no, personal shopper is him just having fun. This is him trying to say something politically. And it's like... Well, there's an argument for both, but the the thing with Dark Waters is they're both conventional. The only thing is, Dark mm-hmm. Waters was looked so conventional 
that people actually got to come back around to being pleasantly surprised by like, this is actually great. I, I know it wasn't terrifically received, but that happened eventually. Mm -hmm. And this one is not quite far enough in that direction to get that. So nobody knows what the hell to think of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, if anybody wants to set up the movie in like a, a short sentence, which we often forget to do, but it's like, I guess it's a hard movie to set up due to what it's doing plot wise. Right. There's like a lot of different threads to it, I feel like. But I mean, basically, it's like exploring the world of um, like spies uh, in the like uh, anti Cuban communist Castro. Um, and pro-Cuban or pro-Cuban, like spies, like in uh, in Miami and in Cuba around and like uh, in the '90s, essentially is like the, I guess the logline. That was a very poor <laughs> explanation of what this movie is. Um, uh, yeah, but like Edgar Ramirez plays a guy who seems to be defecting at the beginning. He leaves his his right. wife Penelope Cruz in Cuba and comes to Florida to seemingly defect. We have Wagner Mora, the guy who he's like also defecting. He like swims to Guantanamo Bay. That's like I haven't watched this movie. No, that's like his intro, right? Yeah, that's that's yeah. very good part. The Ana de Armas plays like his eventual lover that they get sort of cross paths. And Gail he's Gar dabbling in all this uh, conventional stuff because they have this runner about the bodyguard. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean that that feels very romance. yeah that feels very. Oh, so yeah, so just like try to comment on that sort of thing. Yeah, and there's almost this mumblecore logic, or or uh, Neil Labute or something to, or, or even like Woody Allen to who knows who you follow in the movie because it's like a guy bumps into a guy in business. Now you're also following his associate and his wife at home and his home problems, and right. it's it really reminded me of like an ensemble dramedy in that way. And there's all these. He keeps brush threatening to brush against conventional entertainment while making the movie as impenetrable as possible, and it's it's such a interesting uh, dichotomy for Asayas. We're all I think we all got super into film at similar enough times that I'm curious what everyone's first Asayas was because it, it was he's such a guy well, who mm -hmm. you, you, he is. So I'll say, have I mentioned this on this podcast before? A very early, like, getting into art film movie for me was I was, uh, AFI every year does a, a European Union showcase, and, uh, so the December between playing Can and coming out, uh, Clouds of Sils Maria played there, and I was just like, oh, sure, yeah, I like Kristen Stewart in Adventureland, I'll go see the Kristen Stewart movie, I kind of know who Juliette Pinoche is, so that was a very early yeah. movie that sticks with me a lot yeah uh, that was that was also my first was clouds of Silver. i saw it like I, on dvd uh like i guess sort of like within a few months of like that that like end of year festival sort of or the end of your uh, awards run where it like yes. got mentioned a few times and like yeah, kristen stewart like that. won best supporting actress at uh new york film critic circle yeah. I also Clouds of Sils Maria was my first one. And that's like a movie that I weirdly adored from the second I watched it, which is weird because mm -hmm. I mean that was pretty early in me like getting into really watching films. Yeah. Mine I think was Personal Shopper. I think oddly enough, yeah. I, I think I was 
trying to watch everything slightly earlier than you all were, but I had mm-hmm. this fallow period of a couple of years where I, I wasn't quite as much on it, and I think I must have missed Clouds of Sils Maria. And Personal Shopper was right when I was back in the mindset of, I'm just going to watch everything that people say is notable that comes out. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, this is different. Yeah, for sure. Personal Shopper, I think... I don't like it was those were very close yeah. obviously in the timeline Same. and um I remember like being like a little more wary of that one because like everyone was like ooh it's like a ghost story or like it's like a horror movie or whatever and I was like ooh I'm, that's not really my genre I'm not sure um and then I like I like that movie very much when I saw it, I was like oh is this like still an Asayas movie um even if it has like a few of those elements in it um uh yeah, I mean, yeah, those two movies coming out, I think, yeah, was really just, like, the, like, oh, this is, like, a guy who, like, matters to, like, people around our, in like, who are, like, getting into movies right now and, like, is, mm-hmm. is like, a real one-two punch of, like, a, a filmic statement, I think, that really made an impression on, on, on our um, social groups, at least. Yeah, I mean, there's also, like, the steward of it all, re-bringing him back to yeah. America. Like, we'll talk about some of his earlier work before, and it's, like, it's not, like, his first foray of, like, stars, obviously. He had worked with them before, but, like, that certainly brought him to my attention. I think I watched Sils Maria after Personal Shopper was out. Like, I think I just, like, heard a lot of people talking well about Personal Shopper, but it, like, wasn't available to watch here in Puerto Rico or whatever. So I just decided, I was like, oh, I've heard good things about Clouds of Sils Maria. I'll watch that. Yeah, I watched those yeah, two around then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Personal Shopper was a a weird one for me, because if memory serves me correctly, I was at the Philadelphia Film Festival, and I had I, I saw uh, Tony Erdman and Personal Shopper, like, really, like, was running from one to the other, uh, and both of those movies, my memory is just, like, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on, and, like, uh, I was not in it. Uh, just like too overwhelmed to even like enjoy them. That's a lot uh, of ideas. Yeah, you're getting uh, could, ghost texts from movies, Tony Erdman. Yeah, both movies that I would very much like to revisit at some point. Uh, yeah. That's just it is weird what movies work well at festivals and what don't. Uh, that's something maybe we could dig into at some point. Yeah, the worst possible back to backs that somehow does an anti favor to both movies. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've talked about it before. I think I've talked about this story before, where it's just like I watched Watch Network, got on the Wi-Fi quickly, said Watch Network was good, and then full on sprinted to the theater to watch Uncut Gems, which is like, which is like <laughs> the sort of a problem because it sort of erased Watch Network out of my mind after I said it was good. Because I, then I watched, like, my favorite movie of the year after w- running a wind sprint. Yeah. But I don't know. There's, like, a lot of interesting things about Watch Network, especially within, like, the Asaya thing. Because, obviously, this is, like, coming off the back of nonfiction, which is a movie that I do not like. Which is, it's a movie that I sort it's, like, sort of the opposite reaction where it's, like, people liked it. And then I saw it at TIFF and then I was, like, this movie isn't good. This movie, I just, I don't vibe with at all. And then with not watch that work, people did not like it, and I did. So I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like you were talking about with the stars he's worked with, it's it's interesting that he's getting to the point where he's he's not in Hollywood's language or his own language anymore, and he's sort of making this Coriata like play to like I'm just gonna go everywhere and work with whatever language stars I want now, and mm-hmm. like bounce around, mm-hmm. and 
that's an interesting thing about it. And the other thing with that glossy crime movie sheen with like 15% politics behind it in terms of like Mm -hmm. trying to get like an angry uh, statement or two out, it really Mm -hmm. makes me think that like, I'm like, oh, like action crime thriller genres are like the new genre movie in a way. Now that genre movies are just the mainstream. So this is like something that you only even give a real fair shot in these like cinephile corners because it's so obscure now. And I was thinking about even more well-received artsy movies from last year. Like uh, Mm -hmm. uh, I was thinking of other ones that were domestic, but have the domesticity interrupted by like crime stuff. And I was thinking of The Nest and also Shirley. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, those movies, uh, I, I think they're very good, but they also deal with something happens and then there's a monologue that explains exactly what everyone, why their personality is the way it is and what they're thinking and whatever. And if you're a bit more esoteric about that, like Wasp Network right. is, maybe you're for nobody in relative terms today. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, sure. like, I mean, yeah, like to... Because it is a movie that plays something, it plays weird things sort of big and like slick and sheen and with like sheen, like what you're saying. And then it it plays like its message or whatever political thing it wants to do, like very low key. Like it, it's just sort of a thing you yeah. need to sit with. And it's like, because it, obviously if you compare this to anything else on its filmography, one would think of Carlos, which is a movie I've seen and I really like. And I, which I think... It doesn't. I, it, I think it's similar in how it uh, approaches its politics. Uh, like, it's sort of more on the nose, but also like that movie doesn't ever ha- really have like wearing its heart on its sleeve that much. It is sort of like a portrait of a guy that just like keeps going and going, and eventually you get some sort of portrait of. Whereas Wasp Network, due to its structure, I think just puts people off. Like I think Carlos, even though it's longer and weirder in some sections, I think people can just like sit through, sit through and get what they're gonna get from it, and just like get the story of Carlos or get the politics or whatever. Whereas Wasp Network, it le- leaves people guessing, which is like sort of a more frustrating thing to exit a movie with. Yeah, it's harder to be like, I know what this is, and it's like he's trying to streamline Carlos into something uh, feature length and. Uh, as such, it feels like there's like three hours of story for each character missing. Yeah, for sure. And the the yeah. wives are very like much where I'm guessing what you're thinking of, Andy, with like some of the stuff that's played unsubtle, like the the sort of marital conflict and uh, spelling spelling yeah. out exactly what the grievances are. But I think the the two main female performances are actually terrific. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, like, it is in, like, I guess it mostly ends with Penelope Cruz as the POV character, right? Like, that's like the ending section is like, is when it's like her turn to be like, the center of the story. And I do think that is extremely interesting and like an extremely uh, smart choice, just because like, she's really fantastic in that part. And like, like, I do think like, yeah, you get a lot out of like the story culminating in her taking center stage for sure. Yeah. She's great. Um, yeah, she's really good, and like, and she all like you know she's a little bit at the start. Uh, that yeah, just the opening scene. There's like the beginning scenes where she is like, she like gets the, she, the the guys visit her, and she's like, oh no, what happened? Did he die or whatever? And then like they tell her, she like, and how she like 
is so even keeled the whole time i think it's fascinating uh until and then she like calls um her husband's uh brother and is like you need to come help me like i don't know what to do or whatever like the the degree to which she is able to like just like internalize it and move on i think is also like very uh interesting and well well played and especially in the way that it pays off at the end and when she gets so much more focused uh on behalf of the story yeah it sounds like it's very political and meaningful to him but i do think a lot of it is wanting to be like well what if an american 70s or 80s like crime epic just got to be largely about non-americans and got to like star me and the the, the people i love and right. be about this part of the world in a much less uh cia or fbi perspective kind of way sure yes and i do like that yeah all the like american government guys like uh, are so anonymous and like the, like the one i one of the guys at one point i was like did they just like grab that guy like and throw like an unfitting suit jacket on him to for like this is like it was like he was so uh so non non-charactered uh it seemed like yeah he was such an afterthought that i i, I mean i mean Amer- american himself. white people in international movies is one of my favorite things to see i just like <laughs> enjoy yeah seeing just like random ass like I assume no. American theater actors or whatever just thrown into a movie of like multiple international stars. To just, it's it's always very funny to me. Hard to beat the host for that. Yeah, the host oh. is good. Obviously, that's a thing we talked about a lot with Baccarat. But they they have oh, like yeah. a slight a slightly larger part. But it's just like, yeah, who can we get? And it's just like five dudes. Yeah, who's the um. Cage's former partner in uh, Prisoners of the Ghost Land. He's a real one of those types. Nick of guys. Cassavetes, you mean? Is it Nick? <laughs> yes, I may have forgotten that. <laughs> yeah, Nick Cassavetes, <laughs> great director of The Notebook. Nick Cassavetes, yeah, either either yeah. real that guy <laughs> for sure. But no, but I think every performance in it is good, which is what I like. I've seen, I, I've said multiple times, which I buy. But it's like even guys like I wasn't sure of like Wagner Mora it's like obviously like Narcos was a thing I never really watched it so I never really had any idea of like what his ability was or like what his perception was but I think he's great in it I think he gives like a real like charming movie star performance that, that I wasn't expecting he, um, him and Anna de Armas are very good together there is one guy who I'm trying to find his name who I, who Tony I, Plana is in it yeah he's good oh Leon, Leonardo's Baraglia? That's it's... Pascal's role. That was Pedro. Oh, 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 because oh, he's in... Um... He's in uh, Pain and Glory. Pain and yeah, Glory. He, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. He's his old lover, which is like a role yeah, I love. A great Phenomenal in that. Yeah. That, guy, that guy's got it. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He needs to find more work. But, yeah. I don't know what else I really have to say apart from it's very good and I wish people would give it more of a shot because I do think it's interesting. I think this happens to me with a lot of... There's like two camps of Asayas movies where it's like a movie I love watching and then I sort of like don't really think of... I just like got everything I needed to get from it when I watched it and then a movie like this and Personal Shopper was sort of similar where it's like a movie I watched, I sort of liked and then like a year after I'm like, was that a masterpiece? Was that like the greatest movie yeah. ever made? <laughs> That's true. Has anyone seen both versions of Lost Network? I technically have. I saw, you know, I saw it at Toronto, and then I 
I watched rewatched it today on Netflix. Um, I could not tell you what any of the differences are. Interesting. Uh, mostly due to my terrible memory, I think. But like, it's not like major changes. Like most, almost everything. I was like, oh yeah, I sort, I vaguely remember this scene from the first time I saw it. Um, there's not. I don't think there was anything like super new. Uh, and like, like I and like I said, I was, you know, I had the expectation that maybe he will rejigger the timeline or whatever to make it a little more. Uh, just easier to follow, and then that was not what t- what he wanted to 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 change in his uh in his reedit, which like yeah. more power to it him. It sounds like it's kind of like when we talked about uh, Southland Tales, and like we were maybe expecting like a major shifting of things, but it's kind of just like ah, eh, there's like a little bit of stuff moved around and a little bit of extra stuff. It's not yeah. that different. I will say I do think it played better for me on this second watch a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I would probably be more likely to chalk that up to just me, like, having an idea of what the deal of this movie is going into it. Um, And I I will be interested to talk about this also with, uh, with, when we get get on to Demon Lover, another movie that I went into completely blind about, like, what it was about and, like, what anything was in it. Um, I think it is, like, with Us Say Us, I do... I guess I do t- maybe tend to feel like when I have a little bit of grounding of like, this is what I can expect from this movie going into it. I think I do get a little bit more out of them than like going in blind and like discovering everything along the way for some reason. Um, just having that, like knowing like what to, to what I'm going to be able to hang on to and what I'm not going into it, I think does help me yeah. a little bit with, with him. Yeah. I would say that if demon lover and this movie have anything in common, cause they're not like really similar movies, but if they had anything in common, it's weird reveals. <laughs> that is sort of the, the overlap between them. If we want to get into demon lover, I know Jesse had, I will say real quick before we move on that, uh, I did look up Leonardo Spiraglia and like, he's certainly working. He's, I do not know any of the directors that he is working with, but he's in several movies a year. The other thing I will say is Netflix has really done this movie dirty and more than more, I think in more than just its release strategy, like watching it on Netflix today, like the only, the only way to watch it was with English closed captions. Like you couldn't do just English subtitles for like the Spanish stuff. It was like a very interesting choice of how to present it to me. I feel like, um, and it really did sort of feel like it wasn't something they were uh, going all out to make sure it had like every option to experience it with, uh, like I feel like they often do with uh, their titles. Yeah, or any visibility. They should have been uh, blasting the Tangerine Dream on day one. There's a bit of Tangerine Dream in this. Yeah. Um, all right. So shall we move on to Demon Lover? I guess. Sure. Um, so you said it was it. This was, what was the year, Jesse? This was in competition at Cannes in 2002. Yes, and it didn't win anything? I don't think so. And, like, okay. it, it seems like it's kind of, he has this sort of, uh, he, he goes, it, this is during a period where it seems like the sort of consensus is that he's, like, moving a little bit too far into genre because like this is at this is in competition it can uh and it let me make sure it didn't win anything uh i will say correct i would be i would be surprised if this won something it can 
Yes, yeah, it, it did not win anything, and then the next, and then two years later is, uh, Boarding Gate, which is not in competition, and I think does not get, I think gets received even worse, uh, and then, yeah, like, is, I'm trying to think what the next... That's the one I haven't seen I guess all. I guess it's only a couple years later that he does, uh, or no, it's four years later then that he does summer hours which i guess at that point might look like a comeback in some ways what was his one right before demon lover right before demon lover clean is in that period you mentioned too somewhere oh yeah Oh, I clean is what I was thinking of, not boarding gate. Clean is right after Demon Lover, and then boarding gate is a few years later, and then Summer Hours is actually the year after boarding gate. So uh, yeah, I was missing clean in there. Ah. Boarding gate, I th uh, boarding gate is the one that I think gets really poorly received. Sentimental Destiny seems to be the movie before Demon Lover. It's got a bunch of movies. You've made a lot of them. Yep. Mm -hmm. yes. yeah. and I guess yeah we we the only the other one we've talked about on the podcast is cold water I guess we should mention which is yeah. um eight years before demon lover so if, if you're if you're following the sicky cinematic universe sure. or whatever that's that's the context to, to call back yeah. to it's it's um, us talking about cold water and then me sh I'm sure shitting on nonfiction in some episode <laughs> sentimental <laughs> destinies by the way is his uh three-hour-long uh, 19th-century period piece starring Emmanuel Baird, Charles Berling, and Isabel Huppert. Is that his only movie with Huppert? And, and then he makes Demon Lover. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I guess we should say what Demon Lover is. Um, which <laughs> is... Uh, it's a m movie about, like, corporate espionage, or corporate intrigue, and, uh, like, and sex on the internet, essentially, I guess, is, like, what the logline I would say is. Because it's, like, it's about this, like, French company that's, like, looking to go into business with this Japanese, uh, animated pornography, uh, company... Uh, and also, like, but it also touches on, like, some, like, darker, like, more criminal aspects of, like, sex on the internet, uh, that are, like, connected to that world, uh, and there's all sorts of stuff about, like, who's doing the deals, uh, with this Japanese company, and, like, who's, and, like, all these, these people who are, in, like, within the company who are, like, fighting each other to, like, be able to have the power in the situation, um, and yeah, I guess it's like it's like really, uh, it's really intense movie. I would say it's there's a lot of uh, big uh, and loud, uh, shocking elements to it. Yeah, um, I mean Connie Nielsen plays like a like head, like an executive at the company who's trying to like get it, seal the deal with the porn company, but she's also revealed to be a double agent for like a different distributor of porn on the internet than the one that they are planning to sell on. So she's like trying to tank the deal and there's like a lot of intrigue involved. Uh, yeah. It like, yeah, the opening sequence is like 
her like drugging someone else's like bottle of Evi or cup of Evian water on a business trip. And like and then it just gets crazier from there. It's like, it's basically modern palace intrigue. Yeah. Or or something um, similar to to the Hamlet 2000 with Ethan Hawke. It's just like these backstabbings <laughs> in corporate uh land. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And yeah, this is the like yeah, as I referenced earlier, like I knew nothing going into it and like was a little bit like taken aback when it got to some of the like montages of pornography and stuff. It was like it was a lot to take in and I maybe wish I was like maybe a little more prepared for that going into it. Although I do think I did like the movie in the end. Um uh it, yeah, it has a lot of shifts. It has a lot of, like, twists and turns. Uh, it has uh, Gina Gershon shows up partway through and wearing a shirt that says I Heart Gossip on it, uh, which I think is very fun. Uh, and she gives a very fun Gina Gershon performance. Um, uh, yeah, it's, like, very, you know, it's... Uh, you do I do feel like, yeah, very early 2000s internet, uh, like stuff that is like a lot of a lot of fun i think in the end although it it is a a lot as i have been saying (laughs) yeah it's an interesting movie it's a tough movie but it's one that connie nielsen is really really great in as is gina gershon and and a few other people for sure it's a pretty strong cast and Mm -hmm. it shocks and there's a lot of videodrome in there and there's a bit of verhoeven in there but Mm-hmm. It's it's very similar to L actually in a lot of the contrasting of like yeah. creation and development and like how that numbs you in your personal life. Except it's got way shows you way way less of the personal life, and it's all basically almost all left up to the imagination, other than the gossip and the uh, betrayals. Yeah. yeah, it's sort of hard to get a picture of, like, who any of these people are beyond, like, their role in this, like, weird web of story. And here's the yeah. thing. If it, it was this... I I had an idea of it before that it was, like, this very tough, intense movie with a lot of, like, shocking elements of it. it. But somebody today, I was talking with them about it, and they described it like, oh, yeah, it's, like, very, like, lascivious, right? And then I was like, it it, re- it sort of isn't. I, that's not the way I would describe it. I think it, like, uses the, like, pornographic elements to, like, shock and to sort of, like, make a point about, like, women's bodies, which is what I think the movie is about. But I don't think it's, like... Like, I don't think this is, like, a Lars von Trier movie. I don't think it's, like, reveling in any of it. I th- I think it's, like... It's sort yeah. of hard to explain what its take on the whole thing is. Beyond just, like, again, like, the comp... Like, the, the capitalized, capitalistization of women's bodies and the way that it's, like, sold and, like, people's desire to control it. Like, it's a movie about the, the control in a lot of ways. Sure. And yeah. I find it fascinating the way it like sort of like just what sort of movie it is because at the beginning i was like is this a horror movie and then by the midpoint i was like is this michael clayton and then by the ending (laughs) i was like is this a horror movie and then it just like goes through those cycles a lot it's it's a hard movie it's a weird movie to talk about it's like a movie written by uh gina gershon's character from the insider 
Yeah. It's, uh, it's, you really made me like it a lot more with what you said there, though, because I'm realizing, like, there's no, no, no easy trap sort of, like, screenplay BS, like, horny villain guy who, like, gets a lot of, like, FaceTime who's, like, in it for himself. It's more that everyone is kind of, they're so, like, high up and rich that they're beyond that, and they'll right. have a bit of sex, but, like, mostly they are to the point of just seeing it as a commodity and it is mm -hmm. so matter of fact talking about like Lara Croft sex and all these things in these like throwaway lines because they're they're right. numb to the concept of it yeah I think that is the strongest stuff in the movie for me like all those negotiation scenes where they're talking about like this gets this like this uh, this percent of the market and like this is what really sells here and like all that stuff i think and like the way that they just like can talk about this stuff purely in business terms yeah. uh i think is like really well captured in the movie and like is it, it it i think like it's you know it that's the stuff that i feel like really hit home for me in the movie was like yeah all, just all those all those negotiation scenes yeah. and like you know, like they're like the the main concern of the French company for for like one of the big negotiations is like, well, like if 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 one of the girls is underage or whatever, like we walk away, it's all on you or whatever. And like they're not like they're not really concerned about like whether one of the girls is walk they're just whether whether they'll be allowed to distance themselves from it if if it does come out that that is true, like yeah. right, like so it's that um all that stuff of like. Yeah, the, you know, the corporate doesn't care about the humanity yeah. of anyone involved in the actual product that they're selling is, like, so clear throughout the whole movie. And I think, yeah, that is it's just really, really, that's the that's the stuff that... Yeah, because it's like, because, like, we thought, like, one of the bigger shocking things in it is just, like, there's, like, a solid, like, five minutes of tentacle porn, in it, like, in the middle of it. Just, like, <laughs> animated tentacle porn. But, like, after that, they just have a conversation with, like, okay, well, that's the sort of things we make here, and we sell it at this price, and we need to advance it. Into it's, like, if they're not, like, lingering right. and being, like, and then, oh, right. oh, oh look, look at this. What is happening yeah. here? They're just, like, speaking about it, like, oh, yeah, this is the right. thing you make, and we're here to buy it. Yeah. And then af immediately after that, the other guy is, like, yeah, this stuff's, like, on its way out. Like, it's got, like, five more years tops that we'll be making stuff like this. Like, the way of the future is this, like, 3D stuff. And then he shows, like, a 3D sequence of, like, a girl's with her boobs fighting yeah. monsters. Or yeah, whatever. but yeah. then, like, being, like, how, like, the disregard for humanity just, like, extends all the way to the people, including the people who are, like, supposed to be nominally in charge of this sort of deal. Even, like... Even like they are sort of pawns in this game, and if like they don't matter, they'll just get thrown aside, and nobody cares. They're just like part of the game. It's just like also an inch. Like I think it's that's what it's building up to, especially like with it with its ending and like what it where the Connie Nielsen character ends up of just like being like like people and especially women's bodies like in this sort of like higher like upper class business environment are just like use this father and they'll, like they'll be sold and they'll be like tortured and they'll be bought like with the same fac faculty of just like they are participants in it and it's just like does it and it's like they're just there to be used in a way that's like very in it's interesting because i feel like a lot of movies and a lot of like work that sort of tries especially made by men that sort of tries to make that like women are just pawed in this game and their suffering tends to be a lot more like boohoo about it whereas this one 
has its characters be more active participants in what is happening to them. And I find that very fascinating. Yeah. And it's like at the top, everyone's complicit. It's the, it's because of the patriarchy, but gender becomes irrelevant at that point. They're all dealing the same way uh, because they're all part and parcel with it. And also they'll be like, I don't care that this immoral sex is happening. I don't need to prevent it. I just need my name off it. And you send that, take that business elsewhere, even though you've admitted to me that it's happening. I don't care about that on any moral level. Right. Yeah, because it's like one of the central, like one one of the negotiation scenes that Andy's talking about, where it's like Gina Gershon and her associate, who are the people who run thevenlover.com, which is like this big website that distributes online internet porn, especially with like manga, like animated stuff. Like, they have this conversation where they introduce the concept of hellfireclub.com, which is, like, a torture site, which is, like, something that you th- you would think that that leap would be, like, very, like, insane to them of just, like, oh, well, just distributing porn to facilitating a site that tortures real people illegally. But they're just, like, listen, this is a business, man. I know why that's bad PR, so we aren't involved with it, but it's just, like, a business. And just, like, the way that they treat all that is very fascinating. And just, like... As you said, Andy, like the first act in the movie is Connie Nielsen's character betraying a woman so she can get ahead. And just like the way that those sort of machinations like keep turning and turning and turning for people to betray each other to, to sort of get there. And then that person gets sort of suffers and then that person gets there. It's just like it's like what Josh said. It's like it's making the point of just like, yeah, the pa- the patriarchy is like sort of what's controlling this whole thing, but at some point, like the gender of the people involved become irrelevant until it's also not irrelevant by the end. It's just like people fucking each other over for the product, regardless of their humanity. Yeah, nobody's taking Martin Lawrence's advice, which is if somebody pisses me off and I understand it ain't personal, then I'll go to another place and I'll meditate. <laughs> Listen. A lot of people should be taking a lot of a lot of advice in this movie. A lot of weird choices getting made. <laughs> I, yeah, but and I I did not expect SAS, who made movies like Personal Shopper and Irma Vep, which are probably my favorites of his, um, and are both about people who are a bit uh, standoffish and blank. But I never expected him to make a movie with a protagonist who is so unlikable in so many ways and not like really tough to watch or annoying or off-putting but just not particularly kind or having likable qualities (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i mean yeah she's like so of this world right she like has no qualms at all about like being a part of this world and trying to get and like she's like totally made her peace with that and stuff and then like I mean, yeah, by the ending, like, the way the what happens to her character at the end, which uh, is quite intense. Um, it's, yeah, it's, like, a fascinating choice to, like, have that be the, the main character of the story, for sure. Yeah, because in the in the negotiations, you're often being, like, what part of this is, it, was that a joke? Like, am I supposed to laugh at any of this? There is so much absurdity, but... I don't even know. And they're all just selling. I mean, it's like William H. Macy says, it's not the actor's job to be funny. It's the writer's job. It's the actor's job to be truthful. And then the humor will come out. Yeah. 
like yeah i mean connie nielsen's performance it's like a thing at the beginning where i was like this is sort of weird just like how weird and icy and just like i wonder how big of a factor this is all gonna play and then by the end i was like oh yeah this is like it's like incredible work because it's like by the end she is like sympathetic enough that you do sort of feel bad for what happens to her but you're it's also like within the character enough that you're just like well i guess that's sort of like how this story ends like there there was probably not gonna be like any other way for it to go and and like chloe Sevigny's character her relationship to her is interesting like chloe Sevigny has like multiple lines of dialogue where she where she's just like oh yeah this other lady's a bitch i don't like her at all like what is she doing here i don't get it and it's like and and the justification for her being around is always just like well she's good at her job and like the other lady couldn't do her job so whatever I, nobody cares if she's like not meaner than the other lady and makes all of our lives impossible we have a deal to make and she's the best person at making the deal and it's very fascinating yeah she chloe savini is like a lazy iago in like a place where palace intrigue exists but the realities of modernity and like the year that it's happening just won't allow that to actually lead to anything because they're like, well, we got business to take care of. Yeah. Though I was, that, that was one of the situations where it's like what I was talking about, how like the link between the movies, there's like weird reveals. Cause it's like midway through the movie. It's like throughout the movie, somebody is like torturing Connie Nielsen. And it's like, she enters a room and sees a bunch of things fucked up. And there's like a, a, uh, somebody clearly knows what she did to the other lady and it's like sort of holding her hostage and then at the middle of the movie like chloe 70 has like a thing where she reveals herself to be the person and then i was like it wasn't that obvious like she was the person who was getting pissed off the entire movie why is this being treated as some big reveal and then they have a conversation about like how the point of like what she was doing was like she thought it was like the other guy and that's who she was testing out which i wish where i thought it was weird it was like I felt weird how ahead I was of the movie in that sort of situation. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. Apart from that, it was like, it's sort of interestingly, it's it's like a in, very interestingly plotted movie. And I sort of enjoyed the twist it takes, even though by the end it felt a little long. Yeah. And I mean, I guess also like, yeah, thinking about the character, like I feel like, like no two characters like each other in this movie, right? Like there's no relationship I feel like where... It is just like generally like I like and respect you or anything like at all like and I think that is like a fascinating choice. To, I think to Chloe Sevigny and the lady that gets like poisoned in the plane or whatever like each other, but apart from that, that is true. Sure. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah, and it's like that is, I guess, just like the world that we're where and like you know that plays into like the only like I guess like good feelings anyone gets out of this arrangement are like all these like customers who are giving them their money who are like unseen and and until like the very end you get like a hint at like one of the customers for one of the um for one of the services uh depicted but um yeah i mean it's yeah it's just it's a fascinating i think yeah movie of uh full of yeah backstabbing characters or, or whatever who none of whom are 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 on each other's side yeah i mean it's like there's like certainly things like you could find issue with like I think a lot, this happens with a lot of movies. I think French, like, I think Elle is a movie that sort of does this, and I sort of dislike it also, which is like, oh, 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 the leap from somebody who, like, plays a video game and watches porn to a person who would, like, actively torture somebody. Like, it's not that short. I don't think we need to, I don't think that equivalency (laughs) needs to exist, and it it is necessary. But I do, I did appreciate, like, the point it was making in, in sort of contrast. 
Yeah, just trying to make everyone question whether they themselves are complicit in everything bad while they watch it. And uh, I guess they're surprised when people are like, I don't know what to make of this movie. Yeah, it, it, yeah. I mean, it's like, I can certainly, it's like, it's a movie that the more I think about, the more I like. I, th- I sort of think it's great, but I sort of, I, it's like when Jesse said at the beginning, when I said at the beginning, like, I can't imagine this one any awards of can. It's like, no, this is like a super off-putting movie. I can imagine, like, how people would not be in it. Because, again, it's not even like a Von Trier yeah, yeah. thing where it's, like, such extremity pounded into your face all the time where it's, like, you can at least get that reaction to it. It's, like, bounces between that and then, like, sort of, con- like, how contemplative it is and just, like, sort of, like, backroom deals in a way that can... For what it's worth, the president of the jury this year is David Lynch. It's not It's not completely on David Lynch-like, I'll say. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Like, I can't imagine, like, watching this movie with another person. Like, <laughs> and, like, 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 any, like, certainly not any of my, like, relation, like, n- none of my family I would ever watch this movie. Like, and, like, even, like, friends, like, I, it is sort of, like, such a thing that I am, like, very happy that, like, the, my experience of watching this movie was completely solo. So I didn't, I wasn't self-conscious about, like, what I was what i was thinking and feeling and and all that because it is such like a uh you know an over-the-top movie in that way uh that that yeah i think the ideal situation to watch it is yeah is is as isolated as you can get yeah that being said please come to our uh can i kick it live show where we screen demon lover when the pandemic is over <laughs> yeah for sure De- demon lover, lover number one yeah you for sure yes, whenever for the sure. pandemic's over get together with your boys your bros your homies and watch a demon lover together i'm sure that'll not be a, an extremely awkward <laughs> situation <laughs> The social event uh, that we've all been waiting for. Hey, as you get mm-hmm. older, you have to force yourself to have new dreams. That's what John Travolta says. Yes, I'm, I'm uh, giving you all my Wild Hogs cast quotes that I that I came prepared with. It's true. We are. <laughs> I didn't realize I got your just working. The, almost there. <laughs> Who's left? Uh, well. You know, I just wanted to mention that I I was gone so much during my first marriage. I love the moments when I engage with my youngest daughter now. It's not my thing to sit on the ground and play a tea party, but I'll do it because it's a moment that will stick with me forever. That's by Tim Allen. And it's actually an odd quote because of Buzz Lightyear in the tea party. Oh, sure. Yes. And, yeah, thank God we finally got a Tim Allen quote on this podcast. I, I'd love to hear Tim Allen thought on Demon Lover. <laughs> For sure. He would, yeah, boy. You'd have a time. Yeah. Yeah. Watching Demon Lover on the Pixar campus. Let's let's get a screening there. I liked it a bit less than Wasp Network, but I did think it was stronger overall than B movie. Out of the thing out of the things I watched for you all this week. That's good. Yeah. Um do you have any B movie thoughts beyond that it's not that good that you want to share since you've watched B-movie? It was a rewatch. Uh, I have one. Okay. I think I'll save it for for uh, uh, okay. um, goodbyes. Great. Awesome. It's my plug. Um, it's my plug. Awesome. That's looking okay. forward to So, if you have virtual seminars near you, watch Demon Lover. It gets two, th- two thumbs true. up yeah, from Emilio. I, Don't watch it with your parents in the room. I guess I'll say that. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, one that you're going to want to shoulder the cost alone, probably. Not a good one to split the cost with someone for, I don't think. Um, yeah, I, got, I, I yeah, I don't think I really have anything else to say uh, other than 
it's a wild movie. Uh, it's it's very claustrophobic. It is very tense, I think, in that way. Um, and so, yeah, you'll definitely um, need some recovery time afterwards. That's that's those are my thoughts. I think. All right. Uh, then if we're done, uh, then we are ready for your plug, Josh. Uh, check out John Goodman in B Movie. His his part is uh, that that's that's all I have to plug. It's it's John Goodman in B Movie. Uh, who is he in B Movie? I am not familiar with the broader cast of B Movie beyond the lead. He's a he's a human lawyer who mm-hmm. uh, comes in. Texan big swing and energy uh-huh. and then has some private dealings with Barry B. Benson uh, okay. during the uh, Ray Liotta involving uh, Ray Liotta as Ray Liotta involving uh, ep- epic climax of the film. Yeah. I mean, B-movie, much like Demon Lover, is about a movie about the commodification of human bodies and, like, I guess B-bodies in the case of B-movies. And, like, I feel like there's interesting parallels that you can mine in there. Yeah, and I knew that was what you all had in mind. <laughs> For sure. Um, uh, all right. Well, you can follow us on Twitter at Can I Kick It. You can follow us on Letterboxd at CIKI Pod. You can follow me on either of those platforms at uh, JP Glick Weber. Weber has two Bs, and I'll just plug that. Uh, uh, we've got some uh, Berlin thoughts that I guess I haven't really posted any thoughts. I, I've only posted the Vegas thoughts on these movies, but we'll have an, a full episode on Berlin out next week. And uh, if you uh, want some thoughts in the meanwhile, uh, check out our letterbox. Um, great. I'm Andy. You can find me online at Andy T. Germ, uh, and on all, all the social media platforms you want to find me on. Uh, if you like what we're doing and want to support us and, uh, help us out a little bit, we have a coffee, ko-fi.com slash can I, C-A-N-N-E-S-I. Uh, we are still in the midst of the Make Andy Do a Little Dance on TikTok challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have received, I believe, we haven't like for- figured out what our count is because some people have donated more money or others. So we ha- we're somewhere in the like three to six people have donated range, I think, uh, out of uh, the 20 that we need. Yeah, we were on pace, but we've slowed down a yeah. lot. So. It seems like people don't want me to do a little dance, uh, and I'm a-okay with that. Uh, but if you want that to happen, uh, you know, that's where you go to, to, to make a donation. All it takes is one donation. I think I need to see Uh, those Anna de Armas moves recreated. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We have never exactly, we have never exactly settled on what the dance will be. So I think that's up to my discretion. Yeah, it's Steely's choice. (laughs) Right. So we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, um, of what the dance would be. But, uh, that's, Mm -hmm. you know, great way to support the show. Uh, Emilio. Uh, you can follow me on Letterbox at I Laugh Alone, and you can follow me on Twitter at I'm Laugh Alone. Our theme song is by Tree Related. You can find them at SoundCloud.com slash Tree Related or search Tree Related on Spotify. I think I had something to plug this week, but I have since forgotten. All right. Well, 
then instead, I will go ahead and release our audience. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.